0: Let's work with your family to see what is the success path for every member of your family. If it happens to work out that the business has a need or a place for that, wonderful. But the worst thing you can do is think that because you're a member of the family, you have a position in the company. So those who are able, and I've got clients that are in their fifth, sixth generation, that's because they're doing succession planning constantly, which revolves around helping every family member determine what do they need to do to be successful? What's their gifts? What are their talents? Helping them achieve that. And then looking at the business in a separate way. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition.
1: Liftoff. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of now here's your host, the small biz chat lady herself, Melinda Emerson.
2: Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, America's number one small business expert. And I'm so excited to welcome you to a special National Small Business Week edition of the Small Biz Chat Podcast Live. I am so excited to introduce my guest for today because I have the A team with me. So now if you are running a family business and you're thinking it may be time to have a transition in leadership, you're in the right place. We're going to be talking about that today. If you're thinking about a business exit, one of my experts is going to talk about the right way to do succession planning. Now here on the Small Biz Chat podcast, we talk about business from all different angles to give you sage advice. This is advice you wouldn't be able to pay for. We consider this a peer-to-peer mentoring show. The mission of the Small Biz Chat podcast is to end small business failure. And that is what we're here to do today. Our broadcast can be seen on my Small Biz Lady fan page on Facebook, as well as my Small Biz Lady page on YouTube. So I invite you to leave us a comment, share, and let us know if there's a topic you'd like to see on the show sometime in the future. Now, what we want you to know is that I am here to serve all of you as the small business lady, but I always have to bring in my super friends to give you some extra sage advice. So now it's time for me to introduce my first guest, Barry Banther. Now, I have known Barry, oh my gosh, I think a dozen years. He is a family business expert. He is a speaker. He is a gentleman. And he has been helping family businesses work together and live together in harmony for over three decades. He's been a lead consultant on over 400 engagements to help improve small business performance. From strategy to planning to succession and exit strategies, Barry's clients depend on him. A client and president of a 120-year-old family business described Barry this way, Barry is a leader of leaders. His wisdom, encouragement, and knowledge have helped us grow personally and professionally for the past 10 years. If you want more information about Barry Banther, go to barrybanther.com. Barry, welcome to the Small Business Chat Podcast.
0: Thank you, my friend. I have looked forward to this, and I'm excited to learn from our other guests as well. I really appreciate the privilege, and welcome to all those who are big fans of yours and small business leaders themselves.
2: Awesome, awesome. Well, Barry, give us your backstory. How did you get started as an entrepreneur and then find your way to coaching family businesses?
0: So I grew up in a sawmill family in the mountains of North Carolina. Have you seen any of those Appalachian books that show up? little sawmill house next to a sawmill. That was my experience. My grandfather was the general superintendent of a large sawmill company. He had 10 kids. Every son or son-in-law worked in one of those sawmills across North Carolina, Georgia. My dad was one of those son-in-laws. And so every Sunday we would all gather at Papa's house and I watched small business and family business right in front of my very eyes. I saw my dad and an uncle get a little bit angry and break away and start their own sawmill. And that's literally where I grew up, about 10 feet. My bedroom was here, and the sawmill was right here. Uh, however, I was left-handed. And my dad said, son, you can't work in the middle. You'll have to do something else, like maybe teach or something. And so I went to college for that very purpose, first member of my family to do that. Right out of college, I had an opportunity to help develop a nationwide broadcasting company made up of small businesses, radio stations in Baltimore, Cincinnati, Toledo, Los Angeles, Miami, and Tampa. I'm 23 years old, making a lot of mistakes that I write about in, in one of my most recent books. But then I began studying small business, doing my graduate work, in, and, and then I began to teach in college, teaching small business and business management. Uh, I served in the administration of three Florida governors as their appointee to oversee all private higher education in Florida. And I was selected three back-to-back terms as chairman of the state board, responsible for about a half million students in 106 schools. And I really didn't like it. In fact, I remember the day that we had a hearing in Tallahassee. We got back to uh, the executive office building, and I said to our leader at the time, our executive director, I said, get Governor Bush's chief of staff on the phone. I'm I'm quitting this job today. And he said, you can't do that. Everybody wants your job. I said, tell them to come get it. Well, I was only 37, but I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life with small businesses, just like the ones I grew up in. That's when we began Banter Consulting, and all these years later, we're very pleased that some of our families were now in our third generation. They've been our client for over 25 years. Some are brand new, but it's really the same thing, Melinda. How do you work together in business and yet live together in harmony? Sometimes the latter part is the most difficult.
2: Well, let's let's talk about that because I find it fascinating as you've had clients through three generations of the family running the business because I wanted to share some statistics with you. 13%. Only 13% of small businesses make it to the second generation in a family. And when you get to the third generation, it's actually 4%. And I want to know if these statistics were shocking to you or if you were like, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Here's a myth
0: we have to expel. There is no such thing as a family business, unless maybe if you've got a fertility claim, you would call it. But actually, it's a family who owns a business or works in a business together. And the first thing we do as a family is help them bifurcate. Here's the business, here's the family, and there are very certain things we have to do in both in order for that to succeed. So succession planning, we'll get a call in our office, Barry, we understand you do succession planning. And a member of my team sort of tongue-in-cheek, Melinda will respond and say, well, unless you're calling from London, and quite frankly, it's not working too well for them right now. How about if we do success planning? In other words, let's work with your family to see What is the success path for every member of your family if it happens to work out that the business has a need or a place for that? Wonderful. But the worst thing you can do is think that because you're a member of the family, you have a position in the company. So those who are able, and I've got clients that are in their fifth, sixth generation, that's because they're doing succession planning constantly, which revolves around helping every family member determine what do they need to do to be successful? What's their gifts? What are their talents? Helping them achieve that and then looking at the business in a separate way.
2: Now, what do you think are the biggest, like the three biggest issues that family businesses have?
0: Well, understanding what what part of the business you're in. You can be an employee. If you're an employee in your family business, being a family member may get you the interview, might even get you hired. But once you're hired, it has to be very clear. You're reporting to a non-family member and you have to perform like everyone else. You can be terminated. We call it the two-hat theory. In the two-hat theory, a young man saw that somebody had been promoted and he thought, well, now I'm a son of the founder. I should get that job. And he went to see his dad and he walked in his dad's office and there were two hats on his dad's desk. One said dad, one said boss. And he put on the boss hat and he said, son, you're right. Someone's been promoted, but I need to tell you, you've not been performing. We're letting you go. Then he quickly put on the dad hat and said, your mom and I are concerned you don't have a job. How can we help? Understanding that difference, separating those two out. That's number one. Then you can be an, an employee and a manager. And that requires that you have all the skills that are requisite. In other words, if managers in your family's business need to be certified in a particular skill, if they need a particular degree, you have to have those as well. Third thing you can do is you can be just an owner, which is your shareholder. And that's why all of our family businesses develop two entities. One is a business board, which will have non-family members, which provides that governing oversight that every business needs. And the other is the family council where family members come together, whether they're shareholders or employees, and it's in a setting where they learn all about the business where everyone's equal at the table. So the three mistakes is not understanding, am I an employee, am I an employee manager, am I just a shareholder? Get those cleared up, make that real evident to everyone, then you've got a much better chance to succeed from generation to generation.
2: So what is the first decision that a family business has to make together if they think it's time there's, it's time for a transition? What is the first decision? The first
0: decision is it takes three to five years to do that. Some people think six months before I retire, I'm going to decide. There are three ways that you can have a business in succession or in an exit, if you will. So the first is you train someone that's a non-family member to be able to run the business. And so your decision has to be Is this person the most competent? And if they are, then naturally that's who should get that position. Then there's a whole way you manage that. The second decision would be, do we have a family member that needs to prepare for this? Sometimes we'll see a non-family member become the CEO while they're training another family member in three to five years to step into that position. And then the third part of that is to really clearly understand the exit strategy. Do we plan to have this family in business for generations and generations? Or do we plan to have an exit where we sell at some point? It's doing all of that planning, that comprehensive family business planning. Then you're able to respond to the tyranny of the urgent that occurs or the unexpected, and you can make an informed decision. So it's not, Melinda, it's really not too much different than a business that's not owned by a family. But in a family owned business, it's imperative that you do the planning that's necessary to make sure you're ready for any Now.
2: One of the questions I want to ask you is sometimes I think people in family businesses get messed up because it's like what comes first, the business or the family. And I think that you have seen, you know, brothers not speaking for, you know, a dozen years or whatever because of some fight at the office. So how do you how do you maintain the cohesiveness of your family when there are big business disagreements?
0: So I have one family that's very well-known family. Some of your listeners undoubtedly would know their name if I mention to them. You see them on the front page in the newspaper and television. They're all together. The truth is they don't speak. When I have their family council meetings for a hotel, I have one family in one room, another family in another room, and I'm going back and forth between them. And so for families that are in that kind of division, we, we look for the opportunity to recommend to them to get counseling. I have two clinical psychologists on our team. That are prepared to help a family. And we've had some great success with families moving through that. But if they can't, and we have a little sign in our office that says, every family's normal to get to know them. And they all then have those same issues. Let me explain what I mean. My managing partner is my oldest son. Uh, when he graduated from college and came home with a wonderful bride, it took her almost nine years. She earned partner status. She runs one of our divisions. We have someone like me who works with us, who helps us through these issues. So you can be in disagreement and still work together, but you have to have a process to do that or else that infighting will eventually destroy morale among the employees and eventually destroy your customer base. So ideally you want to have principles in place for, here's how we agree to communicate. And here's the most important thing. First question to ask a family, tell me how you fight. Tell me what happens when you fight. Tell me how you resolve a fight. Janice and I have been married 47 years and sometimes that young couple will say, tell us the secret. And I'll say, well, a couple of things real quick. Love has nothing to do with it. Life won't have a whole lot to do with it. You've got to learn how to disagree, how to fight and to work together. That can be done if you're willing to put in the work.
2: Well, that sounds like good advice for work and life. (laughs) Okay, Barry, years ago, you wrote a wonderful book called The Leader's Gift. And you talk about how people have to earn the right for people to follow them. And it made me think about what role does leadership play in in a family transition of any kind? We've got this, you know, amazing TV show called Secession, you know, that, that's got all these characters and all this stuff. And, and you see how toxic and, and, and bad a family can be run and how, you know, siblings could be pitted against each other and all this stuff. I mean, how can we, how can the parent or the founder or the second generation leader help everybody through this process so that people come out whole and that the business survives?
0: So there are three things, The First of all, if there's a member of the family whom we believe is the right person to eventually lead, there are five skills they have to develop. First of all, they have to develop the skill to invest time and people. They can't lead from the front of a engineer's truck they can't lead from uh, the back room in the doctor's office if they're going to lead the business especially if it's family owned they've got to be willing to invest time in the people who work in that business and that means they have to put the business first before the family now i'm very honored to be part of coach uh, tony dungy's all pro dad with mark merrill he and i began that work so many years ago i believe strongly in the family but if you put the family ahead of the business you're going to be disappointed Business comes first Invest time in the business. Secondly, you have to create openness. In other words, the people that work for you, whether you have 10 employees or a thousand employees, they have to know that you're open to listen to them, to encourage them. And that's the third thing, and that's learning how to listen with empathy. Listen, and we've all heard this statement from that great Wharton professor, speak or argue like you're right, listen like you're wrong. And the best thing a family business leader can do when they're listening to an employee or anyone else, listen like they're wrong. Then you have to encourage feedback. You have to be willing to listen to anything. Most important words you'll ever hear are the words you say to yourself as a leader when no one else is speaking. Encourage candid feedback. Then you have to know how to show appreciation. You have to know how to invest in people and hold up that mirror and help them see the best in themselves. And then the fifth and final skill is it's regular communication. Whatever your professional skill is, and we've had physicians and manufacturers and engineers and lawyers and accountants, All of that will go by the wayside if you don't develop these five skills to lead people. That's first. Then secondly, with your family, you have to be able in that family council to help them see that we have an obligation first to our customers. Our customers, our clients, or our patients are the only people that write a check in this business. We then take that money, invest it, and eventually the family receives this as wages or as a return on their investment or as a dividend or a distribution. So first, developing the skill to work with the team. Secondly, working with the family to understand the importance of our customers. And then the third thing that's absolutely essential is what you're talking about today. Having that business coach, having that advisor that can help you on the collection side of the planning side, realizing you can't do this all by yourself in a silo. If you do those three things, you'll be one of those that survives Gen 2 or maybe even Gen 3 transition. That's been our experience.
2: So, if you are thinking about a transition, let's say i'm a I'm a baby boomer business owner and I'm getting tired. You know, whether the pandemic was with pandemic was terrible. I'm like, I'm just about ready to walk. What is a realistic timeline for how long they need to start preparing themselves and whoever may succeed them in the business?
0: We get about five to seven requests a month in our office to help a family. First question we ask is, what's your time frame? If it's under three years, we politely say, I'm sorry, we're the wrong ones. The chance of being able to do it under three years, 36 months is very difficult. Preferably, it's about five years. So about five years out, whether you're going to exit and sell the business or sell it to the family or the many ways you can do that, it takes about five years to put not only the plan in place, but here's the important part, Melinda, to prepare all the people that are involved, to prepare those people. That's why it takes that time. So optimally, five years. But you can do it at three, but you've got to be intentional about it.
2: Now, last question for you, Barry. What is the best business advice that you have ever been given?
0: Gosh, that's a, that's a great question. It came from my father who lived and died in that sawmill. And it wasn't new with him, but it's resonated with me. He said, Barry, you won't worry so much about people. Think about you if you realize how little they ever think about you. And here's what that taught me. My employees are not thinking about Barry. My customers aren't thinking about Barry. Who are they thinking about themselves? If I can come alongside and partner with them, and if I can be thinking about them as well. We did a market survey not long ago. Why do you keep hiring our firm? I was surprised at the answer, Melinda, but I was pleased. Here's what they said. We know as a family and business, we're going to be in trouble this year. At some point, we want Barry to be in trouble with us. So the best business advice I ever received was make it all about your employees, all about your customers. If you do that, you'll be taken very good care of.
2: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Barry. Thank
0: you. What a privilege.
2: Thank you so much for your sage advice. I felt like you just dropped pearls everywhere of, of wisdom. I'm Melinda Emerson, small business lady, America's number one small business expert. And I will leave you with this last thought. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody.
1: Thanks for listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with Melinda Emerson. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday for more fantastic information and interviews. You can find more sources and small business success strategies by visiting Melinda's website, SucceedAsYourOwnBoss.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.